Hey, greetings, everybody. Uh, this is Viti Pepe here. This is the Art Lexia, and I'm flying on my own today. Um, reason is the sister says that, of course, he had come down, came out with a bit of flu, uh, and all the shit that comes that goes with the flu. So I know she's uh, she's actually with me right now, but like she didn't feel up to the recording, and like she's a bit fluey and stuff. And you know, like we have a very high standard that we set on the Art Lexia, so we take <laughs> we really take visuals seriously. Clearly, we do. So yeah, but uh, but she'll be well, man. I just thought just before we get into this episode, um, it's like I checked it out just before we started. We're actually like almost 913 days into like this COVID world. Um, so as an artist, if you if you still survive and if you still got a little bit of flu, that's the only thing that you're dealing with, then I think you've done pretty well. Um, I mean, I mean, I've been dealing a lot. I've been struggling this week uh, to stay focused a lot as, as well. And I mean, on and off and with those load sharing nonsense has really disrupted my entire my entire process this week so but like what we um just before we were before i introduce um um, um, um our guest today um today's just last week's episode so big up to santa for coming through that was really dope as episode and thanks to all the listeners for coming through like there was a lot of love showed to us on social media because of that and one love man we're definitely going to be doing a bit more of that type of thing moving forward um i'm talking and playing um, 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 videos, which we actually going to be doing that today. Uh, and we got a really cool uh, uh, guest today. So we're talking to Sonia Bass. Is it Bass or Bass? Uh, it's Bass. Bass. All right. All right. Bass and Fish. Okay. Yeah. 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 Bass, because you said you're a musician. I just thought <laughs> of, of bass. It's close. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's a very cool name. It's a very cool name. And so I know she's talking on behalf of the Basquiat. Uh, 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 is that a Basquiat? Um, uh, collective? Uh, the Basque Aid Soweto String Project. We're celebrating the 25th year anniversary actually yeah. on Sunday on the 17th of July. So we'll give you guys more information on that um, towards in the show. So because we're switching it up here on the Art Lake, so we're going to start off, we're going to start off one of the tracks. Thank you. 
that was that was that was quite an epic uh, 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 intro to today's show, man. Like I I I I thoroughly um, um enjoyed it, man. And I, and I hope the listeners. Uh, and uh, uh, I mean that was that was that was pretty epic. So we're just starting off with like almost this um this beautiful ensemble of all these beautiful instruments, all this beautiful sound. Um, let's let's introduce um so Sonia ba- bass. Right. All right, man. Let's start from the beginning, my sister, man. So um, you know, you guys got your 25th year uh, anniversary coming on uh Sunday. Uh, uh, yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. Where did it all start, man? Because reading up on you guys, it seems like you um the story be um be honest, like, is pretty it's pretty epic. And it'll be really interesting to 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 speak like how classic music is um, you know, how is how does an African take to classic music? So let's start from a yeah. Okay. Oh, well, in the beginning, um, <laughs> um, what actually happened was this, this, this amazing woman called Rosemary Nalden, who founded this, this whole project. Um, she was living in London. She was a freelance viola player in London, playing with um, a lot of the top orchestras uh, in London. Um, and she was listening to a radio program one morning I don't know can't remember if it was a weekend or a weekday um and she heard this this um rather scratchy sort of sound of violins playing in the background and so she started listening to this interview and um it was um uh it was uh, this project in deep kloof that was really struggling for funding and um, uh, you know they 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 were all set up they they were doing this thing in in deep kloof in Soweto and they they needed help and she she was um, very taken by what they were playing and how they were playing it and it sort of struck a chord within her and um, you know it was a sort of very deep emotional response um to to this this playing and they were playing classical music and it was just the way they were playing it and it just it it spoke to her so she started making inquiries and that led to uh, her organizing a busk now a busk is um is what we call when musicians you know if you go if you go to the subway or I don't know, around the streets of Newtown and there's a guy sitting on the corner with a guitar or, you know, and he's busking. So he's putting a hat out and, and you know, trying to, trying to generate a bit of income through his, through his art form. And um, it was at the time in the world where we had a lot of these sort of um, initiatives to assist um, less fortunate people. So there was live aid and there was band yeah. aid yeah, and yeah. all of that. So yeah. the, the idea was, you know, busk aid because it was a busk. And so she uh, she got 120 of her colleagues to form small groups of musicians and she got permission to have them play for two hours at 16 mainline railway stations across the UK. So that was quite a feat in those days because um, yeah. it was illegal to do that kind of thing. So, so she she got permission from all the relevant authorities, and at the same time, for two hours, 
across all these um, railway stations, all these groups of musicians did a busk and put out a hat and she raised 6,000 pounds in two hours. And that was way back in 1992. So that was, a, that was a lot of money in those days. Yeah. I mean, still a lot of money now, but um, yeah, it was quite significant. So um, she then collected instruments and equipment and strings and, and uh, sort of came across to, to deliver and to help and, you know, assist these, uh, this project at Deep Proof. And um, she was very struck. She was very struck by the, the sort of um, incredible uh, instinct that these young musicians had for classical music and for string playing. And she started working with them. And over the next few years, she would come sporadically and spend a couple of months going into the township um, and, and teaching them and, you know, sort of getting things going. And it was quite, da quite a dangerous time. I mean, it was yeah, sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. around the general, you know, the general elections. And yeah, um, I mean, there were times where she, she couldn't go in because there was a lot of unrest. Anyway, long story short, um, there was a little bit of, uh, there were some problems um, within the project. And in 1997, she decided to form her own project in, in, in Deep Kloof. Yeah. And 15 of those young players moved across with her. And she found, uh, she went, there's a church called Modisha Yobotse, and they gave her a little room. It was like a little sort of back room. Yeah. Um, and she started teaching in there. And uh, it wasn't it wasn't sufficient for 15 students and Rosemary to, to work. And uh, they were driving around Deep Proof one day. And then they, she sort of said, well, we've got, to, we've got to find alternative. We've got to build a school. We've got to do something. And there was this chap called Nimrod. Moloto, who's um, he was sort of one of the older people uh, from the community that were working with her, and they were driving around. I think they were trying to find gas for a gas heater, and and they came across this in Zone Three, this other church which had a a crèche on the grounds, and she popped on her horn, and somebody came out, and she said to them you know, do you think we can build a music school here? And the priest sort of said, well, I'll talk to the elders. And and we built a music school. She raised all the funding and we built this building, which is specially built for the for the, yeah. for the project. Yeah. And that's where we've been ever since. And the project has grown from, you know, the building was opened in 1999. I joined the organization in, in about October that year. Okay. Um, and so it was built for 35 students and two teachers. And I think we've got about 120 students at the moment and about 10 or 11 teachers. So we're, it's a bit cramped. But, wow. Um, wow. but yeah, we've, we've been in that community now for, for you know, 25 years. Wow. Um, and we've had thousands of young children who've come to to learn and some have stayed and some haven't i mean it's not an easy thing to learn 
to learn a violin or a cello. So it, it does um, require quite a lot of dedication on the on the part of the of the kids. Mm. But um, what is very interesting is that we've never we've never had to advertise or sort no, of invite that. applications. They, these kids come all the time wanting to play. Um, and in recent years, we've had to we've had to sort of um, do what we call interviews, but we sit down with the parents and say, okay, you know, because um, sometimes the parents want the kids to learn and the kids don't want to learn. Or, <laughs> um, and because we've got such limited space, we, we have to sort of go through a very, very simple selection process. And then what we do is we, we, um, we, we have sort of general musicianship classes to see you know, if some of the kids are really not interested or too young or yeah. it's just working for them. And then gradually there's a sort of natural attrition and then we land up with, so we've been trying, to, you know, every year up until COVID, that's what we did. We took in a new intake of about 20 or, you know, that. yeah, 27 or 30 kids. Some of them on double bass, some of them on, on cello, some of them on violin. And then as the year passes, we'd lose a few, you know, it's difficult. These um, often these children land up in situations where they suddenly have to go and live in another area because something's happened at home and they can't stay in deep kloof and they have to go elsewhere. Um, so, you know, we lose them. Or do they come from across Johannesburg or across Gauteng? No, no, we 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 operate solely in deep kloof, and it's it's for those kids. Um, we we've got some children that come from outlying areas, um, and very often it 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 doesn't it doesn't last because they they don't just come one once a week for a half hour lesson. Yeah, you know, it starts it starts with you know sessions on Saturday mornings. And then as they progress, they, they have to come in for individual lessons during the week. And then, you know, and then we have ensembles on a Sunday. And so if they're living far away and they don't have transport or they are going to a school that is up in Johannesburg somewhere and they have to be at school until five o'clock in the afternoon, it just simply, you know, they just fall wow. off because they just get behind and they 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 just can't they can't do it. So um we we you know it the most successful um that's not quite the right way of saying it but the kids that seem to be able to make the most progress are the ones that live around the corner or in you know a couple of zones away and they can walk to the music school yeah, yeah. and they go to a local school and you know they can sort of come whenever we need them so that's that's sort of yeah, yeah. why we why we limited i mean we'd love to have lots of little buskets all around soweto and and wherever but you know then you've got to have the resources and you've got to have the teachers the teachers is is yeah, one of the you, uh, where do you guys get your teachers from are they locally based as well we train them so the the, the guys that are teaching for us now all started at the project okay and um as they've progressed on the instruments and as performers, we've trained them as teachers. And we now employ them as teachers. So, you know, over the last 25 years, you know, that we were in a situation, I think it was around about 2002, 
where we needed more teachers and we couldn't get teachers to come down from Johannesburg. Um, we were finding that quite a challenge. Uh, and secondly, we also use a very specific method of teaching. Um, there are lots of different string methods. Um, sorry, my cat has decided to come and say hello to us. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, no, <laughs> I don't know what he's going to do. Oh, there we go. Um, so we were, we were in a bit of a predicament and we sort of sat down and thought, well, what are we going to do? And we thought, well, you know, we've got some pretty good musicians and we've got some pretty good players and we think that they will, will develop into very good teachers. And so we started training them. And so now we, we, you know, we have this, um, wonderful situation and it's a sort of drop-down method so the the teachers that are teaching on a Saturday morning we have different levels of groups so it doesn't go according to age it goes according to proficiency on the instrument so yeah. you know how long a child has been yeah. learning or if they're super talented then they they move quickly up to another group yeah, so then then the the kids that play in the sort of more senior group stay to help and teach the the ones that come to a a younger group and those ones then stay and help the ones that are just beginning um, and it's a wonderful sort of organic sort of uh, system where the, the the older ones are teaching the younger ones who are teaching the younger ones who are you know and gradually it goes down so you might have a a, a young person of 10 who's been playing the violin for two years um, helping in a class where you've got a, a student of 12 mm. who's just beginning and can you know hasn't really doesn't really know even what the names of the strings are yet but yeah. that young yeah. person has got more knowledge so they're then helping the 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 next student the next level of, of students so um that that's sort of how it works um, let me ask you this now um so I understand how the I understand how the we are we understand how the school system works and 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 you know how the how the structure and all of that. So I know one thing yeah. um, because I'm a visual artist. Um, 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 one of the one of the best tools um, um, for for growth is to is to work and to collaborate with other artists, especially from abroad and such. I mean, you guys have been mm -hmm. all over the world and done gigs all over. Yes. The so yes. my question is twofold: like, is there a lot of these overseas artists coming to come jam or? Do you do you, do you score classic music? That, do they come jam? Was there a specific term for it? Um, but but do they come um, over here? And um, how does that cultural exchange work between between the um, um, you know between you and and the rest? Because you guys got quite an extensive. I mean, you've traveled quite extensively. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we we we've done quite a lot of collaborating. I mean, we've collaborated obviously with with. Um, professional inter international artists overseas um, but our, our when we travel overseas we generally um, what's quite wonderful is that we interact with communities quite similar to what we have in South Africa okay we also have similar kind of um, outreach programs if you want to call them um, in the arts. So it might not just be music, it might be dancing, it might be, um, uh, I don't know, but, um, and, and we, we interact with them. So they teach us some of their sort of traditional 
songs and music and we teach them. Um, so we've done quite a lot of that, that sort of work. I mean, when we went to Syria was, was quite an experience. Um, that was before yeah, when everything was, went wrong. Um, before the civil war? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, many of the places that we went to were, uh, are no longer, you know. They, I can they, Yeah. Um, we did collaborate quite a number of times with a wonderful dance company in Cartagena in Colombia. And uh, they've come out to South Africa. We've gone to Colombia. So there's been quite a big exchange with them. And again, it, sorry? No, no, sorry, sorry, finish, finish, finish. No, no. Um, again, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, there's a resonance between, you know, what they're doing and what we're doing. It's the same kind of um, demographics and um, um, what's the word I'm looking for, but, you know, the environments that, that we have in, in South Africa. Um, you know, they have the same kind of things in, in yeah. Brazil and yeah. in, yeah. in Colombia and that. So, you know, that we've done, we've done that. Um, recently, um, there was a gentleman who, who's a valid dancer from South Africa, who's been living and working in the UK for quite a number of years. And he decided to come back to South Africa and start something down in the Eastern Cape. And there's, you know, there's, there's, discussions um you know about us going down and and doing something in his hometown of of yugi um so yeah and we've we've we obviously um uh i mean it's difficult because the classical music genre in south africa is quite in comparison to hip-hop and kwaito and all the rest of it it's small you know it's not. It's not a huge. Um, and I and I and I'd like to go there. Actually, I'd, I'd like to know how, how do you sort of um, exist in our complicated musical. What I'm. Um, what I'm also very interested to, to know. Um, and it's sort of it's an tie into what you're saying is that like classical music has got like a real Western kind of feel and texture. Yeah. Yeah. So is there like an African voice? Is there an African texture in classical music? Because I know, like, um, I, I have a there's a there's a there's a friend of mine um, in Colombia, and I know what and I know what you're saying with their with their work and their politics, etc., and how they interpret. Yeah. So 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 you if if a collaboration like that should should come to play, how does that, you know, what, how does that translate to the actual music? And then we can sort of get into like how does classical music uh, fit into our complicated um, sort of African art scene? And I mean complicated because. It's complicated, and I'm sure you can relate. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I think, I think there's a lot of perceptions around. What is extraordinary is that the way these young people respond to classical music, and and then go to Europe, uh, which is sort of the, you know, the center of it all, um, and they go there and they play classical music. Um, people walk away from that going, they've never heard anything like it in their lives. Um, it's, it's, uh, there is a definite, definite flavor um, and, and a soul that, that is brought into the music just because of who they are. Um, and, you know, Rosemary, Rosemary's a, a, an incredibly, she's an incredible teacher. And um, I think we've all, we've all learned a huge amount from her. 
Um, and still alive? you know, sorry. She's still alive. Yes, yes. No, she's still alive. <laughs> she's doing the other interview tonight. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, um, no, she's, I mean, she, she's, 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 she's been amazing, mm. but, um, you know, the response that we get, and we mustn't forget that, you know, choral tradition in South Africa is, has always been there. There's, there's a, yeah. there's a very strong choral tradition. Yeah. And, um, I think, I think, uh, you know, I think people, don't realize just how much um, the African culture embraces classical music. Um, they enjoy it. It's a, it's, it's wonderful. There's a, um, there's a, a very, very um, unknown, well, unknown to a lot of people. There's a composer called Biba, and he was a sort of um, 1600s. B i b e r. Heinrich Franz, Ignatius Franz von Bieber. Um, and he, he wrote some amazing Baroque violin pieces and, and lots of wonderful, wonderful music, but you know, from the Baroque period. And we had this, this um, very interesting uh, young man called Gift, who was part of the original um, 15 when we started the project. Um, and he he had a very very difficult um, came from a very difficult background, um, and uh, had a lot of challenges with um, drug abuse and all sorts of things. Um, you know, he was a typical sort of township teenager, and a uh, lot of challenges in his life. But I remember he said once to, to Rosemary that he used to go and play these. He loved Bieber. He loved playing Bieber. He, 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 he sort of was transformed when he played this music. And it's difficult music. It's not, it's not easy at all. And he would go and sit in the Shabin with his violin and he would play this music just because it brought him some peace somehow. Um, and uh, tragically, I mean, he was, he was, uh, he'd been through a whole drug, big drug problem. He got over it. He actually left Busgate for a few years. And then he came back and he was, he was clean and he was trying to put his life back on track. And he was starting to play in the, in the, in the JPO and starting to get work out there. And he was playing with us and then he got killed. We, we we still don't really know the circumstances around his death, but he was found in his shack the one morning and he was dead. Um, but he he had this incredible connection to 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 classical music, and he just loved it, and he loved playing it. And I think we've got lots of stories of young people who who would hear classical music on the radio, and then they'd come knocking on the door and saying, "I want to learn. I want to play that music." So. It really does have a worldwide appeal. I think, you know, there, there is this perception that it's Western and it's elitist and it's all of those things. But really, when you play it, I mean, the tradition of it and the skill required to, yeah. to execute it sets you up then to be able to do all the other things that we do, which hopefully you're going to play a bit more of the lighter stuff 
Um, but you know, it sets them up so so all their quiller arrangements are arranged by them. Um, they've taken township music. They've come up with how we can perform them, um, uh, and and sort of on on string instruments. But it still sounds like you know African township music. So, and I think it's because of the tradition of of playing classical music and learning in that that tradition with those skills that skill set that they, they can then really expand and do everything from Nina Simone to, you know, jazz to sting to um, uh, African quella to, you oh, know, get you. classical repertoire. They can, they can pretty much, and when they do, whatever they play, they have this incredible instinct about the style so when they're playing baroque music they they play baroque music in a certain way and then they when they move to classical repertoire like mozart and beethoven and it, they have an instinct for that style and when they play romantic composers like on sunday we're doing a, a whole selection of pieces from um composers that wrote music in uh, denmark sweden and norway in a very romantic style, very beautiful, very beautiful pieces. And they adapt and they play it in that sort of style. So their, their sort of um, overall musicianship is, is, is quite extraordinary. And you can't teach that. No, you can't. You, you, you can't yeah. teach that kind yeah. of thing. It's an instinct that just, it just comes out from them. And because they've been taught well, technically, and they have a good understanding of, of their instruments, then they can they can translate all of that. Interesting, man. There's actually a bunch of things um, I'd, I'd like to, to tackle on there, but I think just for time's sake and, and so forth, because I, as, as an artist and on this platform, like I'm really interested in exploring the processes of, of collaboration and I'm interested yeah. in writing down and, 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 and the techni technical side, but like, you know, when they when they write down the music, the rights, et cetera, does uh, music rights part of me. Um, also, what I'm interested in is how does the classic music sector differ from, for example, like I'm a piano. Um, 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 but like that's a not topic for another day. That that that's yeah, well, you're asking me the wrong. <laughs> I'm because, the wrong person. Because, um, it actually leads me to my to my next question, right? Now I understand what you yeah. said, and and I get it. Like 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 Caesar myself, like like we're not music students, but like I consume lots and lots of music, and I yeah. do listen to classical music. Um, one thing I'm interested in is like we're living in 2022, you know, COVID yeah. happened and COVID has rearranged our industry, like flip completely upside down. Absolutely, yeah. And our artists are sort of dealing with that. So I've got, I've got a question that's also like kind of twofold is a like, um, and it sort of sort of leads into, so I wanted to know like um, you guys still, um, you know, doing CDs, um, DVDs and so forth. And where do we get all of your, you know, uh, 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 you know, where can we con um, get all of your music? Are you guys using um, your uh, Spotify and iTunes platforms, and how is that working? And um, but like the real, like 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 the real thing of the question is like is uh, how um, how is your audience responding to these digital platforms? Are you guys using it? What's the what's the take? Is it um, is it something you think you can grow with? Is it something you or or, or or do you think like you guys are gonna just to stick to the traditional sense of like yeah. you know, having auditoriums and having gigs and so forth? Yeah, um, I think I think COVID has has uh, 
as you say, it's turned everything upside down and it's forced us to, to kind of look at things that I think perhaps we were not really looking at. Um, just because uh, we're perhaps of an older generation. Um, and, uh, you know, you sort of, you, you know what works and there's a formula and off you go and you do it. Um, not saying that we, we're not prepared to explore new things, but I think, I think COVID accelerated yeah. a, a lot of those ideas. Um, so what happened for us is that, uh, I mean, for 25 years, we've been performing in the Linda Auditorium. Every year we do a concert at the Linda Auditorium and every year we film it. Um, and it's quite, a, it's quite a thing because then we've got to mix it and we've got to do the visual mixing and we've got to get the sound right and syncing and all that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, what COVID, COVID presented us with this fantastic opportunity because we could not go down, we had to close the school. Um, you know, initially we all thought it was for three weeks and then, you know, great, we'll be back in three weeks time and we'll get on with life. Yeah. And that turned into what, five months? Um, and it did, it did create us with some time because the, the thing is we're an NGO. So in an NGO, you find that um, there are not that many people employed all doing a lot of people's jobs. So you are spread quite thin. And, um, you know, I teach the cello and the double bass and I fix the instruments and I work in the office. Rosemary and I have been doing all the fundraising. So, you know, there's, there's a lot going on. And when we're, when we're teaching as well, going down every afternoon to teach down at the school and over the weekends, um, you know, you, you sort of don't always have time to sit and think, well, you know, what can we do that's different? And so COVID came along and um, I'm sitting at home, Rosemary's sitting at home, the kids are all sitting at home. Well, I don't think they were sitting at home. I think they were running around the township exploring freedom. Um, <laughs> but uh, we decided to use the opportunity to do this very big job, which was we had, uh, we had footage from about five different years of concerts that we hadn't been able to to mix and do the thing. So we we got onto that and we started working with our videographer and our sound engineer and getting all that together. And um, just before COVID hit us, we, we had been uh, approached by um, a chap called Mark Ace, who's a South African violinist who's now the CEO of the Princeton Symphony Orchestra in the States. And they had wanted us to go across to the States and, and play at, um, in this, uh, do a, a small tour in, I think it was sort of April in 2020. And of course that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. um, so we were busy doing all these things and Mark just phoned one day to find out how we were doing and how things were going. And the videographer had said to Rosemary, you know, we should, we should put a compilation of all this really good material and stream a concert. We also had an idea that we wanted to do a live stream concert from Holy Trinity. We were also in consultation with um, the SABC and trying to do something there. Mm. Um, but that was, that, was, that was quite difficult, it didn't sort of happen. But this idea of creating this concert and streaming it worldwide, 
suddenly became a reality because Princeton said, well, we'll do it. We'll stream it for you. You just put it together. And so we did, five, in the end, we did five concerts. We did one concert every month with all this material that we had. And they didn't, it didn't, we didn't like stream the 2014 concert and then stream the 2016. We took bits from each year and we compiled a new kind of concert. Interesting. That was only, it was only an hour long. Because um, wow. normally our concerts are, are quite long. Um, and, and Princeton came on board and, you know, helped us with all the technical stuff. And we suddenly had this international audience. It was absolutely amazing. Um, we had people all over the world in countries that I, I think there were people in Antigua and all over. There were people in, in Australia, there were people in Singapore and America, can, everywhere. Can you just listening to watching our concerts? Maybe how many thousand? Right? Can you give us an indication of maybe how many thousand? Was it more than a hundred thousand? Uh no, no, it wasn't as many as that. Um, no, no, it wasn't as many as that. Um, it was difficult because it was a different. Um, it was sometimes the same people that watched all the time, every month, with a few additions. I mean, we we thought that it it would be bigger than it was, but it it was bigger than. Than you expect. I mean, yeah. Um, we thought it might sort of go viral. It didn't quite do that, but um, but it was interesting. And you know, it's it's now it's sort of brought home to us. Okay, so you know, if we can't travel, this is a way of of reaching of reaching these audiences. Yeah. Um, what happens to that idea now? Does it become part of the packet, part of the parcel? Because now, well, now what now what we do is clips on youtube that you've got we, yeah. we're gradually releasing all the clips yeah. so not everything is up yet so you know we we sort of every week or every two weeks we're releasing another another clip another part of the concert um so that people have got access to that fantastic so, so that's what we're doing so we really are building up our youtube uh channel and we we um you know we're trying to build that so that we do get some sort of revenue from it because yeah you've got yeah. to have quite big numbers to do that but it's 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 getting there um we've got we we did a lot of cds and we've got dvds and things but uh i mean i <laughs> i was chatting to lucejo today he's, he's helping me in the office and we were putting all our merchandise together for the for the concert and uh, i said to him why are we why are we not taking dvds you know to to sell at the con he said nobody buys dvds yeah. anymore yeah i know so, <laughs> No. So, you know, that's why we're putting everything up on YouTube because, you know, that's the best way we can get the visuals I, out. I find a pretty huge audience on like your Spotify's and iTunes. There's quite a yeah. lot. Yeah, we've got, we've got, our, we've, we have got, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not, uh, not too affair with it. The Seco does no more, but we do have stuff on, on, on iTunes. Okay. Yeah, we do have stuff on iTunes. That actually leads me to the next question, man. This is like kind of wrapping up. So, I mean, you guys got this um, 25th anniversary coming up in yeah. On Sunday. Yeah, can you just tell our listeners what's happening? What can they expect? What's, uh, yeah, like what's happening? And uh, where can they get hold of? You know, if they want to get tickets, if they want yeah. information, etc. Okay, so we all know COVID restrictions have been lifted. Um, 
so we are allowed to sell out the hall, but we, we've decided we, we're going to sort of limit it to 80%, um, just to give people a bit of a, an opportunity if they want to spread out a little bit. Um, so this concert is in celebration of the 25th anniversary. It's the 25th year that we've been performing at the Linda. It'll follow a pretty, um, it, it, how, the, how our concerts go is we start off with, like you heard at the beginning, a little bit of sort of classical Baroque music. We move into, we've got a wonderful young um, violinist called Mzwandile Toala, who's going to play a piece by Dvorak for violin and orchestra. We're playing a contemporary piece of music that is being composed by a living composer um, called Julian Grant, and it's called Scarlatti in Soweto. It's the world premiere of this work. It's a 21st century work. It's absolutely fantastic. It's quirky, it's jazzy, it's, it's innovative, it's different. It's really something unique to come in here. Um, and then we sort of move into some uh, more lighter music, easily, easy listening. I mentioned the um, pieces from the Scandinavian countries, which are very beautiful, very beautiful romantic music. And then we've got a couple of songs. We've got some very good singers in the group. They're going to come and sing some, some songs with us. And then we, we descend into the wonderful eruption of African township music where the audience sort of is on their feet and dancing. And um, so it's a real, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of all encompassing program. We do, we, we move right through all the genres. Yeah, I mean, and I can imagine now in the sense, all these restrictions have been relaxed. People are dying to get that experience again. Absolutely. I'm sure people have missed can it. They can, missed it, so. Yeah. So at the Linda, there's a restaurant. You can come and have lunch before the concert. The concert starts at three o'clock, sharp, we hope. Um, you can buy tickets on Quicket. Just put their hashtag, Buscade hashtag, 25th anniversary concert. Um, and come along and just, you know, just come and have a really uplifting experience. There's so much bad news. We're all struggling with load shedding and 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 the linda's got a big generator so even if the lights go out we'll be okay probably um, i must tell you very quickly that in 20 2002 they didn't have a generator and the lights went out and it was complete it was darkness we actually organized candles and played by candlelight yeah. it was a very special concert but anyway We've got a generator. The Linda's going to be lit up. There's food. There's wine. There's, there's whatever. Um, tick. Hey. There's people and this beautiful so, music. I think there's people can get anybody anywhere. Yeah, and you've got to come and share in the magic of Buscade. It really is an amazing South African story. Um, and uh, tickets range from um, 175 rand to 250 rand. Uh, sorry, 300 rand a person. Okay. Um, yeah. And they, can you bring children? Uh, yes, but not under the age of six, please. Okay. Yeah. This was incredible, man. I think I think this was really cool. Uh, to the listeners, we're also going to play out with some of the more contemporary type of, type of stuff just to give the listeners a taste of what to expect. This was fantastic, man. There were so many things I, I, I'm, 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 I'm listening here that I'd like to touch on, man. And I'm also interested in the, um, 
you know, as part of the art lecture, like we talk to a lot of entrepreneurs across the art. Yeah. Uh, um, so, you know, like we partner, like 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 we currently partnered with uh, with a tech company, and we're developing an app um, um, that's going to make it possible to stream concerts and monetize it. Yes. So you'll be able to. So, now so listen, we we like, we want to explore all of this. That's a that, that's a thing. Like we 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 actually we actually poised in a very very interesting time. Uh, in, in human history, like there's a lot of space for innovation because if there's yeah. one thing that I've um, that I've noticed, um, like we covered the National Arts Festival uh, two two weeks ago, and it was really strange to me to see that like how many of the traditional structures are still there, and I understand that, and I understand that, and I, and I think it's still necessary there to exist. But now we have this. Um, I mean, we have 5G technology, and that just adds like what you're saying. What I thought was really beautiful of like of like these productions, how you're chopping them into an hour because that's also important people's attention spans like it's a different yeah. world but it's a yeah. huge world and like i thought it was really interesting you're saying of all those countries so that just shows you the reach man i think this is actually quite so i'm actually i'm actually quite glad that you that we had this talk also gave us some some other very cool insights so mm -hmm. thank you very much for that man and to all the listeners yo man like you can check them out man it's coming it is this sunday before we play the track um Please like, subscribe, and comment to our channel. You find us on Spotify, on iTunes, on Google Podcasts. That's the audio version, and you'll find us on YouTube too. Suzanne Corsi will definitely be with us next week. Um, we also got some interesting, other very interesting things lined up. Um, we were going to talk around the Credo Mutua. Uh, um, I would just say experience because it's quite a broad thing. We're going to talk to that. Um, we also have a lot of more music uh, um, musicians um, coming up and um, fantastic man. It's a lot of cool stuff to look forward to. So thanks everybody for coming through. Thank you very much, Sonia, for coming through. All the best with Sunday's gig. I hope you yeah. fill up the stadium, uh, the, the auditorium, and you have lots of fun. Yeah. So I just hope it all works out for you, man. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It was lovely to chat to you. And I hope that, uh, yeah, let's see if they enjoy the music. I hope so too, man. I'll definitely keep an ear up on what you guys are doing and I'll definitely reach out to you because it'll be very cool to make a follow up on what happened here today and in future projects. Excellent. So thank you very much, Sonia. We're going to play Thanks. with... Uh, bye. Bye, bye. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. That's sister. the one. Okay.